On today's episode of the RAG podcast, I was joined by Mike Mihailov. Mike is a recruitment leader at a company called Iban Consulting. Um, Mike is actually one of my old colleagues. I used to work with him for quite a long time. I met him in 2012 and we, we sat, kind of headed up uh, two different divisions at the same recruitment agency for, for four and a half years. Um, close friend of mine, someone I, I trust and I, and I know really well. And I chose or wanted to talk to him on this season of the RAG because Mike's been through one of, uh, one of the hardest few years that you could have whilst trying to maintain high performance in, in a recruitment role. He's not a recruitment owner, he's a leader, he's a manager, he's a, he's a biller as well. He's got the, one of the hardest jobs you could have, but he's also been through a really difficult divorce. Um, and I know he's had a lot of mental health challenges. I know he's, he's had a battle with finances and debt and trying to uh, maintain his career, but also keep hold of the relationship with his two daughters and manage a divorce amicably and it's just been a complete minefield an absolute roller coaster of emotions and on this week's episode i i, I plugged into mike and I, and I wanted to find out more and you know i think there's so many people out there in our sector going through divorce and relationship challenges and it's it's easy to forget that you know we're all humans outside of work and these things absolutely fundamentally can break you and and can make or break the success you have on a day-to-day in your professional life. So this is from a man's perspective. Mike's writing a book right now about divorce from a man's perspective. So if you're a female listening to this, please be aware that, you know, that is the perspective this whole episode is from. I'm not saying I wouldn't do the same sort of episode with a female in the future, but um, he's giving a very honest account of what it's like from a man's perspective um, with a view to letting everyone out there know that if you are in a in a difficult relationship right now or you are already in the divorce procedure then you know there's light at the end of the tunnel because mike has managed to come through this and he's in a very positive place right now so i really hope you enjoy this episode and get lots and lots of value from it without further ado mike welcome to the rag podcast all right okay so we'll do, we'll do that all again right. now right so um imagine i've just done the intro Mike, welcome to the Rag Podcast. Thank you very much, Sean. Thanks for having me. It's all right, mate. It's all right. It's, uh, it's a bit strange for me to have someone I've known for so long on the podcast. It uh, could be an interesting experience for both of us. Indeed. It's, uh, it's been since 2012, I would yeah. say. Yeah, I think that's when we started working together. Well, look, mate, I, um, I've done you a little intro there. I always do the guests a little introduction, but... I can't do it justice. For the, for the listener's benefit, just tell us who you are and what it is you do. Sure. Uh, my name is Mike. I, um, I work um, as a partner in IBAM Consulting at the moment, um, moving slightly away from the recruitment world, but for, for my sins, I've been in recruitment since 2006. Um, started off, uh, you know, cut my teeth on technology recruitment, and um, as I've progressed my career, I've had various positions of leadership in account management positions in, uh, you know, as head of teams. Um, and, um, you know, I, I'm kind of, you know, I've been in the industry for a while. I've seen a lot of things. Um, got the scars. Got the scars. You haven't yes, got the gray hair or the bald head though. You've managed to avoid. No, no. It's my Bulgarian genes, I reckon. Yeah. Not a single gray hair, Sean. 
unlike no, yours. Let's not talk about that. You you remember you probably remember when I I didn't admit it, but I used to put some stuff in it when I was a Venkra. So I used to Stephen Denver always said it, your hair looks blonde at the back and I'd be like, Oh, just natural. Um and it was only when I met Fids that she was like, Your hair looks green in the light and I was like, What? <laughs> she was like and I was using that Grecian stuff and I washed it out and then I think you and Claire and everyone within about two weeks was like you know, you're stressed. What's going on? Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty yeah. Hard. Um, well, look, mate, I wanted to interview you um, for a number of reasons. But uh, as, you, as you know, we've had a chat before this. And season three of The Rag is all about uh, the human side of, of being a recruitment owner, leader, you know, trying to perform at the top of our game because we're in such a competitive, you know, relentless hamster wheel industry amazing industry rewarding industry like you know it's uh, it's treated us up both very well but at the same time we've got to be you know we're trying to we're trying to live life we're trying to you know develop families and and get on with things and be the best people we can be outside of work and, and one of the obviously the reason i wanted to talk to you is because i know as i was leaving venquist and we worked together you started going through stuff that got pretty yeah. pretty difficult with your with your wife at the time so i wanted to you know for the men out there, I mean, for anyone who's going through difficult periods with their, in, in a marriage, but specifically for the men going through a divorce, I thought, or, or potentially, this could, be, uh, this could be something that can help. So, yeah, we'll, we'll go back. So I, I left in 2016, early 17, didn't I? So yeah. when did, obviously, you were running the financial services division. I was running the insurance side. Tell us what was going on back then for you. What was your, paint the picture of what your life was like. Towards the back end yeah, of working yeah, with me. Yeah, of course. So um, I, you know, had a home. I uh, lived in Streatham. I had um, a four-year-old girl, and I had just had um, another baby. I had a, a six-month-old baby. Mm-hmm. Two girls. Uh, been married since 2011. Um, How old were you when you got married? You know, uh, I was quite young. I think I was 29 at the time. If I'm, nah, if my mind. Right. Sorry, you're not that old now. You're not. You're not 38, are you? 38, 39. I'm, I'm 37, mate. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're yeah. 28. So 20, 20, 28, maybe something. Yeah, I think it, was, yeah. it might have been 28. Um, you know, so own a property. You know, had a fairly comfortable life. You know, doing okay, well at life. Um, from an outsider's perspective, um, you know, a, a good family, and you know, all is well. Um, I remember coming to your house. Do you remember? You had that, uh, I don't know whether you, we did poker or something, but you definitely made us all food and we had wine. And I remember going yeah. in your, you were like, it was one of the nicest houses I've ever been in London. I was like, wow, this guy's got it all mapped out. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, a lot, a lot of people's families look like that. Um, if you look at Instagram and social media and, you know, if you, if you listen to them, especially in the recruitment world, because people in recruitment are very proud, right? So yeah. you ask them, you know, how was, you know, how's business? And everyone's always like, yeah, business is really good. Yeah, you know, in actual fact, it's, it's a bit like when you ask um, a man how many, you know, people you slept with, you know, you need to buy <laughs> that figure by three. Yeah, uh, and, yeah. You know, and you ask a female and you need to times that figure by three sometimes, right? <laughs> it, it's kind of, it's a bit like that when, you know, people say, yeah, everything's really good. And, and all of a sudden, you, you know, you know, you, reality isn't really um, always that rosy. No. Um, for me, you know, I, uh, you know, I had a lot of responsibilities, you know, you know, and I'm not, you know, my, my ex contributed financially. So it wasn't all just on my shoulders. 
but you know we, we just didn't get on and as time progressed um, we were arguing a lot and you know our kids were suffering as a consequence I wasn't happy she wasn't happy and I guess I took the ball by the horns and made a decision that I'd had enough and I didn't want to wait 20 years when you know kids had left the house to then um, ultimately you know have you know not as much in common with that individual and and just um, be in a position where actually we've wasted the best years of our lives not being with you know someone who makes you happy yeah. on both sides you know because I certainly wasn't a saint um, either um, and it's a mutual thing um, so, what was it? Yeah. When? How long were you in that period for? When things were, you knew things weren't right, but you were just going with the well, motion. You know, what, um, everything kind of started when we had uh, our kids. Um, you know, that it's one of the the biggest stresses in a relationship having kids because all your attention goes from you know face to face, like facing towards each other, to all of a sudden facing towards a third party, i.e., yeah. child. Right. So, and then you know you go from a life where you have a fairly carefree attitude, you know, you, you can go out with friends, do whatever you do. There isn't so much financial strain. Um, and you focus your, you know, whatever, you know, whenever there is a stress, you focus your attention on each other and you fix that. When you have kids, all of that focus, focus goes on the child. Men can feel like, you know, but what about me? And you're not giving me any attention. Women can feel like, oh, but he isn't picking up the slack here and there and everywhere. You know, even though he's working 24-7, you know, I'm at home 24-7. So when he gets back from work, I want to have a conversation. I want him to take an interest in this, that, and the other. And, you know, it, it creates stress. Um, for us, you know, you know after um, our eldest was born, um, you know, we went through a period of getting on, but then things started to, you know, become a little bit more strained and we did counseling. So, you know, we, we, we started counseling and we went through a period of counseling, um, you know, which I guess works to a degree, um, but I don't think really addressed all of our issues or at least if it, it did address them, it addressed them temporarily. Um, and then, you know, rightly or wrongly, we decided to have a second baby. And at that point, um, very shortly afterwards, things took a massive turn for the worst. And, you know, I remember saying to her that I'm not happy, you know, and, and I can see you're not happy, but it was a constant onus of, well, you have to change this. And, and I was like, well, what are you going to change? And she was like, well, I'm not doing anything wrong. <laughs> so, you know, we, we then just, you know, it got to a point where we had a massive argument when we were on holiday and I just said, look, when we get back to the UK, I'm, I'm out. Um, and it was just like that. Um, How do you, obviously, you know, being married is one thing. There's a huge commitment there. You've gone through a wedding and all this, but then when you've got kids involved, mm. that must've, that must've been a process. You don't just get to that point quickly. Like what, what goes through your mind in the lead up to making that decision? And um, I mean, I it's just, the only thing that really went through my mind is that I'm not happy. You know, that's the, the you know, and life must, there must be something better out there in life. Um, you know, life can't just be like this. And I wasn't happy. And what was it like? Happy. So you were, you were going out early. I remember you'd cycle in, you were a keen cyclist, right? So you'd cycle yeah. up and down hills, you'd turn up, you're always in work early. 
I remember you used to have your shower, turn up with your towel over your shoulder. You looked like you were on it all day till you weren't exactly leaving early. So then what were you like? You were going home and what, what, what was life like in the evening? Were you then, you know, were you struggling to, to do the things that a father, you, she thought you, you know, should? And, uh, we, we had a fairly set routine, good or bad, whichever you want to describe it. But, you know, we'd get back and, you know, Amanda would want to watch her programs on TV and I'll sit there on my phone and we'd sit on opposite ends and, of the sofa, right? And we, we didn't, you know, we just didn't have a communication channel that was fit for purpose, really. Um, and I think we tried to address that a few times by doing date nights and that kind of stuff. But we, we always ended up arguing one way or another. So date nights became, you know, less and less frequent because we just end up arguing. On date right. night, right? I remember one date night, we, I think we nearly went home in separate taxis because it was just one of these situations. And, you know, I'm equally to blame for, for those situations as, as I guess she, she was. Um, whether she'd agree on that is a different matter, but you know, that's kind of how I see it. Um, but it, it, it's, it's, it's tough, you know, that decision to, to ultimately leave behind what I would call a, a classic family scenario was not an easy decision. Um, and I guess it'd been rattling around in my mind for some time, but not in the sense that I need to, I need to get out. It was a, how can I fix this? How can I fix this? How can I fix this? Until almost like a penny dropped, I was like, I can't fix this. That means that there's only one thing left. And that is, do I then suck up all the things that make me unhappy until the kids are gone and go through life being unhappy because the kids you know, want to have a unit? Or do I do it now? take the hit emotionally, you know, the kids are still very young, they'll get, you know, they'll get past it easier and quicker. Um, and that, I guess that goes for both of us, you know, um, you know I, I guess it took that decision out of Amanda's reach to a degree. I think she'd have, but, would she but have after that way, she, she came to that, she came to the same conclusion. Yeah. Do you think she'd have, if you'd have carried on waiting and waiting, she'd have pushed the button at some point? Uh, possibly. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all. You know, I, I made the decision, but that doesn't necessarily mean that Amanda wouldn't have done further down the line. So, uh, you know, I can't, you know, I can't tell you that. Cause yeah, that's what happened. But um, the fact is, you know, she didn't want me to, to leave. She didn't want, she wanted us to try. But, you know, I've done counselling, you know, many times before. You know, I've had, you know, a past of, you know, my mum suffers from schizophrenia. Um, you know, I've grown up largely on my own in the UK. You know, I've dealt with a lot of stuff in the past that, you know, some of it successfully and other, others not so well. And I think I had an element of my background of, well, it's fight or flight, you know, type instincts. And I thought I need to get out. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, that, and that's kind of how it happened. I guess, you know, for this particular podcast, I think it's probably more relevant as to what, happen next yeah you know, the and mechanisms that, that i had or didn't have as the case may be to deal with certain situations but if anyone's really you know if anyone's watching this thinking i'm in the same situation you know pre me leaving you know i can tell you for free that it was probably one of the hardest decisions i've ever made and then when i made it you know the last three to four years have been probably the hardest i've ever had in my life 
Yeah. Um, it doesn't just a multitude of reasons. And I, I really care about this stuff. And, you know, I'm writing a book about, you know, men in divorce and sort of, you know, there's lots of books and literature about how to help females cope with a separation. There's almost nothing for, for men. And, you know, I'm, I've been slowly but surely putting my thoughts down on a, on a you know, back of a cigarette packet and, and it's coming together. Um, but, you know, there's lots of impact. There's impact on your children. There's impact on your ex-partner. There's impact on your friendship groups. There's impact on your work. There's impact on your finances. There's impact on your family. You know, there's impact, you know, logistical stuff. There's, the, the impact is, if you can think of every avenue of life, it impacts. Yeah. And before I left, I didn't really think of that because I was just in the zone of, my own almost selfish, you know, unhappiness and therefore, you know, whatever else was outside of that must be better. Let me just be very clear. It is not better, but it is different. A quick interruption of the episode to bring to you a message from our sponsor, which is Odro. Odro, as most of you probably know, is the world's most powerful all-in-one video interview platform for recruiters. Used by thousands of recruiters worldwide and with some of the industry's biggest names amongst its client base, Odro is a video interview platform. It was developed specifically to help agencies increase their revenues. The most innovative solution on the market, Odro's software helps recruiters to engage more talent, reduce time to hire, and most importantly, it helps you win business. You'll even get the ROI back from investing in Odro within just 45 days. It's designed to benefit everyone in the process. So from recruiters to clients to candidates, Odro's platform is improving the hiring process one interview at a time. We chose to partner with Odro because we felt like both brands, Hoxo and Odro, were in such a clear alignment in the way that we approach everything we do and how passionate we are about helping this industry grow. If you want to find out more about how Odro can help your agency transform its process and win more business, win exclusivity and drive revenue, then click the link on the podcast notes and every social post that goes out and they will, you will get a call back by one of the Odro guys. They're, they are awesome, and I'm sure they'll be able to offer some amazing value to your business. Thanks for listening. Let's get back to the show. The impact is, if you can think of every avenue of life, it impacts. Yeah. And before I left, I didn't really think of that because I was just in the zone of my own almost selfish you know, unhappiness, and therefore, you know, whatever else was outside of that must be better. Let me just be very clear, it is not better, but it is different. Mm. And whether you make different better is down to the individual. And the things that you do, you know, in and how you, you know, you conduct yourself throughout um, the process of separation will help you get to a point where you can make things better either sooner or later depending on how you conduct yourself because you know if it's a joint decision great you know no issues or less issues but if it's one person's decision as it usually the case is for whatever reason um, there is a, an emotional fallout from the other individual what, what did happen for you Mike let's what, so once you made paint the picture for us like so once you made that decision you said on holiday when we get back I'm out what went on next well, I then, um, it was the year where our eldest was starting school and I left 
I left on the 29th of August. She started school on the 5th of September. Uh, so I went back into the house for two weeks, you know, just to see whether we could, you know, perhaps, you know, make it easier for the, you know, the little one to, to kind of start school, you know, not, you know, all of a sudden, why should she suffer? Because I've cho chosen to, to leave at that particular point in time. Mm. Um, so I went back in, you know, I then left, went and stayed with some, you know, a friend, friend of mine slept on a sofa for a month. Um, and, you know, we attempted to do some counseling. We did do some counseling. Um, and I, I think during that process, it just became clear that uh, we just weren't gonna, we weren't gonna fix this. Um, so over the next, uh, I guess, six months, you know, um, was, you know, I was quite lucky in, in a way because being a recruiter, you get commission periodically. Yeah. Uh, I just had something like it was like 10 grand net in, 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 um, in cash in my bank account land literally 1st of September. So it gave me a few options. I stayed in a hotel for the first couple of nights, um, just to sort myself out. Um, you know, and, and it was a short walk to work, which helps uh, <laughs> randomly that was something that you know i saw as a positive um and then i eventually rented a room uh, of a friend of a friend you know um at the age of 34 i was at the time or 33 um i was back into renting you know um which i didn't want to do um but you know the kids and amanda were in family home I didn't have another home to go to. I don't have any family in the UK. So for me, it wasn't a question of being able to go home because home is, in a, you know, several thousand miles away. So, you know, I had to find a place to live. Um, and, you know, that wasn't without its challenges because I still wanted to see my children. So wherever I found had to be fit for purpose to have my kids. Um, so, you know, that that was kind of the first six months. What was, then... what was, sorry to stop you, I'll keep moving yeah. it around a bit, but I, I think, was that around the time I left? Was it early 17, late 16, about four years yeah. ago? Yeah. yeah, late 16, early 17. Yeah, it was about four years ago, wasn't it? And yeah. what was work like for you then? Because I, I was on the way out, I wasn't really paying attention to anything but my yeah. shit, if I'm honest. Um, yeah. How did you, because I, I don't know, I think recruitment's one of the most amazing roles, but one of the hardest roles like to manage people and manage a desk when you're going through stuff, to be proactively, you know, opening doors when you're feeling like a shell of yourself inside. How did you do that? How the, how the fuck did you get up and make it happen? Not very easy. There, there were days when I used to just, I remember, um, I, used to, I used to basically cry walking into the office. I just, you know, there were days where I'd have to leave the office and, and I'd go and sit on a bench on my own and just, just let it all out, you know. Um, I had days where um, it was impossible, really, to think about anything else. I, I lost weight. Um, I lost about stone and weight. Um, you know, it, it was really tough. And you know, the things that kind of kept me above water were exercise, um, not really drinking, because every time I drank day after my anxiety levels were just through the roof yeah it's not worse. um you know i mean horrifically so i mean you know you know when you have a you know big old session on a weekend the next day you feel a bit jittery yeah. multiply by 10 easily um 
and actually, I was very lucky that at Vanquist, I, I think the leadership could see what was going on. And, you know, they said, look, clearly, A, you need money. B, you need less stress in life. So, you know, why don't you just go back to doing what you do best, which is billing. Mm. Um, and, you know, doing some business development, you know, doing the senior stuff. Um, and we'll get someone else to run the team. And I went, you know what, that's the best thing for me and it's the best thing for, for the people on the team because I wasn't really fulfilling my job as a leader as well as I should have been. Um, and I wasn't able to concentrate on it. Um, you know, you but try, because work is ultimately an escape from, you know, a personal life that I guess is, you know, had its ups and downs during that time. Um, so work was an escape, but at the same time, you know, I wasn't really firing on all cylinders. And I think, you know, out of the, the, the kind of the big five things in life that you might go through that really affect your work. So, you know, buying property, getting married, having kids, you know, whether it's divorce or just separation, um, and death, mm. life, you know, it, it, there's like, you know, those are the kind of the five that we see as being key, you know, um, for me, you know, separating was, you know, was really hard. And I, I struggled to, you know, separate that from work. And ultimately, I was very honest, really, with the guys at Vanquist, you know, through my ups and downs as to what was going on. Um, and they listened and they helped me. Yeah. Um, I'm very lucky in that respect. Um, and I, yeah, I advise anyone who's going through this to have a chat with, you know, their management team and just be up, up front, up front, whatever you do, don't try and make it work without telling people what you're doing because they'll know, mm. you know people aren't stupid. I think as well, if you're the owner, like I've had some challenges in the last year and, and this is the, is the owner of a business now. Well, obviously it wasn't when we worked together either. That's it. That's a different dynamic. It's a different challenge because you, I always find when things are tough, I've, I think about them in the morning, like they hit me early in the day. And that's when I'm most alert anyway. So I'm, my, brain, my brain's in overload. And then when it gets to like, what, eight, nine o'clock, you've got to flip into work mode. That, yeah. that transition is so difficult when you've got other things going on. And then when you've got people, the whole company looking at you, it's fucking, it, I think it's been, it's been crazy for me at times. But um, so what went on then? How did you, I guess, talk us through the divorce process on a high level, but like, you know, from the man's perspective, what, what did you then have to do to, legally move forward as opposed to just take yourself out of the situation physically i mean the divorce process in the uk unfortunately is very very backward um it's antiquated um it's expensive it um it has to ascertain blame to one party or another which then makes things more difficult um but there are several ways of you know getting a divorce um you know you have to either not have been living together for a period of time you have to um you know prove that someone has behaved in a way which has led to the relationship being you know breaking down irrevocably um and you know there's a whole host of stuff but ultimately for me it was a case of saying the relationship had broken down and and i, and I took the blame um and then you have to apply for something called a decree nisi, um, which essentially um, gives you the right to apply for a, um, a decree, uh, what's it called? Decree, I can't remember 
the second the second one. But essentially, it's two stage. One's a decrease, and then that allows you to actually apply for the divorce and then you have a cooling off period of, I don't know, something like two or three weeks and then you can apply for the, for the last bit which, which gets you to the divorce. But, you know, that, that in itself is an administrative thing that a lawyer does. Before that is the, the financial negotiation bit, which um, I think, you know, I, I certainly didn't do very well at because I felt a certain amount of guilt um, as to what I'd done, um, you know, at the time, Amanda wasn't working. She was still essentially on maternity leave. Um, and, you know, it was a case of me handing over the keys to the house and having nothing. Or um, waiting a period of time, contributing financially towards the house and paying childcare in the meantime to, to a point now, actually, where in September this year, um, you know, either the house has to go in the market and I get my share or um, Amanda has to buy me out. But ultimately, one piece of advice I would give people is never negotiate when you're in an emotional state. Actually, try and negotiate at a point where either party is as much emotionally disconnected as possible because mediation, which is essentially what I'm talking about, is A, very expensive if you use professionals, yeah, and B, can be a minefield if you don't. I paid for one mediation session where we had no outcome. You know, Amanda got very upset and then we left. Clearly, she wasn't ready to negotiate. Um, but that cost a lot of money. And then we decided to do it with the help of a friend, with help of a dear friend who knew us both, who who could, I guess, bring a, a more uh, peaceful manner to proceedings. Um, but, you know, she started at one point, I started at another point, and I, and, and I conceded a lot. Um, I conceded so much, in fact, that it essentially lumped me with a huge amount of debt that I'm still servicing now. It lumped me with having to pay a percentage of the mortgage when I'm not even living there for the next, you know, for the foreseeable until the house, you know, until I get my share back. Um, and, a, and a whole heap of other stuff, which um, well, I say a whole heap, not really anymore. So servicing debt, child, child maintenance, essentially, um, and um, paying a percentage of the mortgage. Um, but the figures are, you know, several thousand pounds a month. When I wake up on a first, it's gone out of the account. You know, and it has ultimately led me to getting more and more in debt as time has gone by. And only really in the last year have I been able to kind of get a, a stable, been on an even keel and kind of just keep a lid on it and just service that debt. And when I get paid out in September, my plan is to get rid of all of it. And yeah. Only then really will I be able to sleep at night properly. Um, but that, you know, that's a mistake that I made. Um, Although I don't really know what the alternative would have been apart from just saying, well, you can have the whole house and that'd be that. A final interruption to today's episode to introduce Vincere. Vincere is the all-in-one CRM ATS platform built for the recruitment and staffing industry. Now, I first heard about these guys about a year ago. The amount of prospect recruitment agencies and clients I was working with that were telling me they were moving over to Vincere, I had to look into it. 
And what I found was a business that had a global reach um, with multiple offices around the world. So they've got this follow the sun methodology, which allows them to support recruitment businesses wherever you are and, have, and, and be in your time zone. But the technology that they've invested in um, is becoming a, a disruptor in the space. More and more recruitment businesses are, are doing this to give their, their recruiters a competitive advantage. They broke into the G2 Crowd's momentum grid as a market leader based on their reviews from their customers. So the, the agencies that are using this platform are raving about it. Now, if you're a rag listener and you're thinking about changing CRM or you're a new business looking to launch with a new CRM, then I would get in touch with, the, with these guys because if you mention that you're a rag listener, they're doing an amazing deal. By visiting www.vincere.io forward slash rag, you can get an exclusive deal which offers two months completely free on a two-year commitment or three months completely free on a three-year commitment. This applies to all licenses that you've either signed up for now or that you'll add in the duration of the contract. So get on there and have a look. Finally, if you're listening to your recruiter and you're thinking, I want to move into a more of a business development role um, and I'd like to keep hold of my recruitment knowledge. Well, these guys are recruiting for a BD person, well, multiple roles in both Sydney and London right now. So if you've got a strong recruitment background, you want to move into BD and you want to work for a fast moving tech business that's helping people like you right now, then get in touch via their website because they're hiring today. Back to the show. So stuck between a rock and a hard place. Um, and, you know, I wanted Amanda and the kids to be in a stable home because, you know, they're my children. And Amanda wasn't in a position to buy another house. Look, if we had gone to court, the court would have said, you know, you know, Amanda and the kids need to be number one because she had full custody. Therefore, what home can they buy with the money that you have and whatever's left over will go to you. Well, to do that in the same area that we live in, would have meant nothing for me so it was a case of trying to find a compromise to all of that but but that was pretty stressful pretty time consuming um and only once have you got the financial agreement sorted can you then proceed to the, to the divorce bit because getting a financial agreement post being divorced is something that lawyers will advise you against yeah. um, and, and it's harder to do so the whole process takes time effort emotion um energy which on top of already trying to adjust as a mother with two children and not really sure where you're going to get your income from. And as a father who desperately wants to spend time with his kids is trying to figure out a way of providing for themselves, for their kids and previous family at the same time as trying to figure out what am I going to do for the future? You know, and that, that's a minefield. It's a, it's a mental minefield. It's crazy. Yeah. How have you, Manage the relationship with your kids. Like, what's the what's been the arrangement to keep that? I mean, uh, you know, Amanda's a very reasonable person, and as far as the kids are concerned, she's always maintained that you know there, there will never be any problems with me seeing them, and and I think, you know, we're we're both growing up enough, and I think I hope um, uh, astute enough to realise that if if we make it difficult um, for them now, that you know because of whatever emotions, they'll have issues in, in, in the future. So, you know, on that note, I can see my children really whenever I really want to. I just go and knock on the door, That's say cool. hello. Um, we started off with me having them every Thursday and then every other weekend. We've now got to a point where I have them every other Tuesday, every Thursday and every other weekend. Um, but during lockdown, it's been great. I've had them pretty much 50% of the time and that's been, absolutely amazing um and it's helped me build up a much stronger bond with them 
um, when school starts, that might have to, to end. Um, so I'm kind of dreading it a little bit. Um, but, you know, it's probably, you know, how have you seen the real high How have you seen the, your elder daughter take it? Because she's she, she, the young. The young one doesn't know any different, right? She doesn't know any different at all because she was six months when we separated. So she's kind of growing up with daddy being there and mommy being here. So no particular issues. But the older one is quite sensitive. She, she's taken it hard. Yeah. 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 I was I was five, I think, when my my parents. They got divorced that year, but they definitely split up that year. And I remember my dad, it was the November or early December, he picked me up from school and he never picked me up from school, ever. Yeah. We only lived around the corner. So he, uh, I knew there was something wrong when he, when he picked us up. So we, me and my brothers got in the car and we came back and they were like, yeah, we're splitting up. And we were like, yeah. I think I was five years old. So I, um, I asked, like, you know, what? I remember we begged him to stay and just said, like, stay. And they were like, okay. So they, they, they had this kind of deal that they'd see how it went till Christmas, probably just for us. And then I remember he, he moved out on Boxing Day and that was it. But I do remember that and that was five. So she, if she was four, she'll have I've got she, she strong knows. memories. She, look, we've maintained, look, mummy and daddy still love you. Um, and, but mummy and daddy are just not going to live together anymore. Mm -hmm. um, been really difficult but we, we've just had to drum that message over and over again um you know and she you know kids are very resilient let's just be very clear my parents are divorced um you know I, I think it's happening more and more in society and it's you know becoming probably you know more socially acceptable for sure um but kids are resilient and yes she she can be quite needy at times and and she can question things, but on the whole, you know, the message is this, look, you, you've got two homes now, one here, one here, you, they get the best of both worlds, you get love over here, you get love over here, you know, and, and on the whole, it's been fine. There've been moments of difficulty and, you know, there've been moments where I haven't been able to, to you know, I, I just couldn't cope with just having them on my own. Mm. I used to turn up on Amanda's doorstep crying with two kids go I can't do this yeah I just can't do it and and, I, and she she you know she to her credit even though I was the one driving this she she picked me up yeah She'd be like look it'll be fine just leave them here da -da -da, go and sort yourself out and you know she she took a lot of my emotional baggage as well as hers and and dealt with it all so you know yeah, we don't always get on, but on the whole, she's, she, she's dealt with the divorce thing really, really well, you know, and I have to give her a lot of credit. She, she's kept the kids, you know, where they should be, um, and she'd be strong for them and for me at times, you know. Um, so, but I think that came after the realization, you know, we, she came over to mine when the kids were there one night and we, we shared a bottle of wine um, once and I remember her saying look I didn't have the balls to do what you did but I think you did the right thing I don't like how you did it but the outcome is probably the right outcome yeah so you know it's taken us a while to get there it took us a while to get there um, but now that's the case it's very much a case of well, how do we 
move forward with life, each one with our you know respective partners, yeah. and make life as easy as possible for each other, and obviously make life as good as possible for the kids. So if you, you're both in relationships now, and, and it's you're both yeah. in managing that process, right? Yeah, and it, you know another thing was like when Amanda's boyfriend moved in, you know, with, with the girls. So I was like, that must have been yeah. done. I mean. You know, a lot of people see that as a big deal. It wasn't such a big deal for me, I have to say, because I do trust a man and I trusted that whoever she chose was going to be of an upstanding enough nature for them to be a good, you know, good role model for them. Um, but, you know, we, we have had our run-ins, but, you know, on the whole, there's an element of mutual respect and we kind of just stay out of each other's way. You know, we're, we're friendly. To, to as, as much as we need to be, um, you know, and I openly admit I do get on with him, um, you know, and I, I hope he kind of gets on with me, you know, we've never really had that kind of conversation, but I don't think we need to, it's a fairly unspoken rule. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that was, that, that was, it was interesting times. I think, um, you know, when I first kind of met the person who was going to be meeting the kids, it was, yeah, I mean, it was, interesting i can't even begin to imagine so i guess how how would you describe life now and how how have you how are you coping now and what's the what's the kind of mindset shift that you've had to go through to be because i see i saw you relatively recently and i was i could see a difference in you you look bright you look you look the guy i met originally like so what 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 do you think has changed or what are you doing to make sure you can be like that well look i think um you know what, when, when you separate from someone, rightly or wrongly, all of a sudden, it kind of feels like you can do a lot of the things that you felt that you couldn't do in a relationship for whatever reason, either because of financial constraints, time constraints, mutual interest constraints, whatever it may be. One thing that does happen when you separate from someone and you're not the sole child, like not the main child caring individual, is that you get a lot of time on your hands, right? And you get time to think, which isn't always great. You get time to, to, to be sad, you get times to be happy, but it does provide time. And for me, I kind of thought, well, what makes me happy? You know, it's like I bought a car and I started plowing all my time and effort and money into that, because that's what made me happy. I get on the road and that would give me freedom. That would then for make me happy. And then that will feed into the loop of life and you know, as I'm happy, the kids are happy. And because I'm happy, I'm dealing better with Amanda and she's dealing better with me and so forth. I'm just using the car as an example because it's one off quite a few. But, you know, able to do a lot more exercise, basically able to um, to exercise to the levels that I want uh, as opposed to what I could before. Um, I'm able to, to do things on my own time. But, you know, to, you know, that's fine now, but to get to there was quite difficult because the you know the dating scene is a whole different minefield and just something that is honestly is a podcast on its own. Yeah. Um, you know, get, getting there's been it's been tough. Now that I am there, um, I'm, I'm looking forward to life. I'm looking forward to um, I'm looking forward to just doing things that I've wanted to do. You know, whether it's that starting a business at some point in the future or, you know, buying a property and doing it up and selling it on, which is really what I want to do. You know, 
hopefully when I get my money, I'll be able to have some options and I can make some decisions as to all of this kind of stuff. But, you know, ultimately I really put my life on hold for the last three, four years because I haven't had financially the means to do anything, really. I've been on a couple of holidays here and there, but really I've just been trying to stay on top of debt and trying to keep my head down and try and get work done to pay for all of the debt. Um, so, you know, now it's, it's, it's better. There's light there now. There's light there now. No, absolutely. There's light, but it's taken, it takes time. And I, and I think, I, I guess it would be slightly unfair of me to say, it cause I haven't experienced it, but I guess when there aren't kids involved, it's potentially slightly easier. Um, but for each individual person, it's different and their problems are, their problems are the biggest for them. For so, them. Yeah. so, you know, I'm not saying that my situation is any worse than someone who hasn't got children. I think that having children just brings a load of dynamics that doesn't, doesn't have. So, yeah. and those are, you know, financially can be crippling, you know, quite rightly to a degree, because I think everyone should be responsible for their yeah. children financially. Um, and then, you know, logistically, in terms of where do you live? You can't just move to Timbuktu because your kids are over here. So what do you do then? You're, you're tied. You're tied to a degree to a certain area unless you want to see your children less, at which point you can probably move within a respectable distance because you don't want to be driving 400 miles every other weekend. You know, it's just what it is. It's sad. So, what, so if there's other people listening... We've said a lot there, and I, and I really appreciate you being so honest, mate, because, I mean, I didn't even know half of that stuff. But what, what were, I guess, three pieces of advice then, just to summarize. If someone sat here today, either knowing that they're, you know, they're at the helm or they're, they're leading a recruitment company and they know things aren't right, like, or whether they're, in, they're already in the divorce proceeding process, they're moving forward, what, what's the three major things you would say to remember? Um... Be kind to yourself. What does that mean? Don't turn to alcohol and drugs because yeah. um, turn toward positive things that make you feel better physically because that has an impact on our mental psyche. Yeah. So do exercise. If you've never been an exercise person, whatever, go and find a, I don't know, a triumph. The divorce thing happens to be the triathlon club. I don't really know why, but it does. <laughs> go do something. I don't care what it is. Go running. If you're fat, go and get slim. If, just, you know, walk. just walk. Just walk. Whatever. You. Yeah. Find nature. Explore. Do something that gives you exercise and therefore endorphins and makes you feel better from the inside. Um, and that helps. I can tell you for free, that helps. Two, um, talk to your friends and talk to your family and um, you know, have avenues for release and and have people that can guide you in you know in moments of weakness um three get legal advice whatever you do make sure that you're protecting yourself protecting your children protecting you know potentially in some cases your you know the partner you've left behind um you're protecting your future get legal advice get it in early doors and and do the right things by your family or the family that you're separating from or you know wh whatever the case may be don't leave your um you know if you do have kids don't leave your kids high and dry if you do have a, a partner that you've chosen to, to move away from you know try and be as compassionate as you can 
and and try and do it in a way which minimizes the impact on everyone's life yeah. having said that you know be true to what you feel is the right thing for you and you know and just you have to just push on with that and be just honest with yourself because i think if you're not honest with yourself you will regret a lot of things a lot of the, you know it will then cause you know because i feel that all of these things always come to a head at some point whether it's now whether it's further down the line if it's yeah. not right it's not right there's some a lot of people through there's a lot of people who felt like you did and wouldn't have made that change. They've got two daughters. They're just going to crack on and they, you know, they're going to waste the next 10 or 15 years and then deal with it and blow up. And, um, and you know what, that might be the right thing for them. So yeah. I don't judge those people, yeah. but for me, you know, that, that wasn't the decision I took, um, rightly or wrongly, that wasn't the decision I took. And, and, and I guess, um, the, the last thing is, you know, if you are a leader, um, explain the situation to the people below you, and let them know so that when you, you know, do lose your shit about something that's irrelevant in the grand scheme of life, they understand and they know. All of us are humans. We live in a society where mental health is being championed more and more. So we need to, we need to talk. So let the people underneath you know and let them help you. Yeah. 100%. Is there any, any literature out there, anything that, apart from your book, which is not ready just yet, but we will we'll no. just come out for it. Is there anything you'd recommend to read? Or anything? Um, I haven't read anything in particular, although, um, you know, one thing I did find really useful was Tony Robbins. I know that it's a bit of a, you know, a bit of a cliche, yeah. but do you know yeah. what? Do, doing that Tony Robbins thing was amazing. Um, because it really opens up your your mind to um, the possibilities of, of life and what you do and how you do it and your your mindset and how to, to change that mindset and not affect let the don't let the past affect your future right because we've all been programmed and conditioned to work in a certain way over the space of time through our experiences the people that we've lived with and been with and you know have relationships with and that doesn't have to be the case for the future. So whatever you can use to kind of, you know, reprogram your mindset, do it. Whether that's literature, whether that's seminars, whatever it is, try it. You have a lot of time, trust me, so try it. Mike, it's been a pleasure, mate. Thank you so much for taking the time. I'm actually glad we didn't even talk about recruitment because I just didn't want it on this one. I wanted it to be about the reality of the story. What One thing that, um, you know, most, I'm sure you will, but if anyone does want to reach out, if anyone's in this situation and they just feel compelled to say hello and you're open to spending a bit of time with yeah, you. Yeah, of course. I mean, you know, if I can help one individual, I'd be happy. If I could help a whole group, I'd be happy. Um, you know, I've always been very open as to who I am and what, yeah. what I've gone through. So um, please get in touch if I can help anything. Then, yeah. Amazing. Mate, I'm gonna, we'll make sure you're tagged in all the stuff via LinkedIn. Um, and, and guys, thank you so much again for listening to this show. Um, every single one of you matters. We, we, we read everything we get through. Um, and, you know, this season is all about the human side of running a business, being a leader in our industry. I'm not going to touch on, you know, recruitment training every week or high, high headcount growth this year. This, this season is more about, you know, I think this pandemic right now is making us all look inside it's making us all deal with shit that we probably never expected in 2020 and i want to i want to try and help as many people as we can this year through unearthing the stories of 
the different things that could and possibly have or will affect us all um, moving forward. Um, so I don't ask for any money to listen to the show. But I do ask you to do one thing, that's share the show. So if you've listened to Mike's story and you know someone in our sector or not, if they're not even, don't have to be in recruitment, who you think would benefit from listening, just share it. Put it on WhatsApp, put it in an email, put it in a text, let them know uh, because the more people listen, the, together we're, we're going to be stronger. I'll be back again next Wednesday with another story from a, a recruitment leader. In the meantime, stay safe and I'll see you soon. This podcast is brought to you by Hoxo Media. We are the world's number one inbound marketing agency exclusively focused on helping the recruitment industry. Myself and my business partner started the business in 2017, having been recruiters for seven years before. We felt that the recruitment industry back then needed to change and that marketing was going to play a huge role in the way that new and existing recruitment organizations won business and stood out in such a crowded marketplace. In three years, we've now worked with over 200 organizations around the world. We reach a huge audience with both this podcast and content online. And we have over 55 recruitment agencies right now. We're managing the marketing force. So that involves strategy, content creation, distribution, systems process, and leads generated. Having been recruiters and marketeers, we can not only build your brand, but we're also able to connect it to your sales team and ensure that leads are generated as a result of marketing. There's a clear ROI that leads to sales activity. But we also understand recruitment businesses. That's small businesses, medium-sized businesses, large businesses in all sectors. We understand you, we've done the job, and we can build campaigns that are super relevant to what you need as a business right now. We've also recently launched the Hoxo Academy, which is designed to help recruitment owners, recruiters, and marketeers learn from the work that we do so that you can action some of this stuff in-house on your own. The Academy has been launched in May 2020 and has already had an amazing uh, response from the market and it's only going to grow one way. So if you're interested in either having Hoxo support, you build your marketing as a, as a supplier that acts as part of your team or you want to be trained by us on how to do it yourself, then get in touch. Visit www.hoxomedia.com and register your interest on our homepage. We will then get back to you within 24 hours and arrange uh, an introductory call. Thanks again for listening to this show. Every single one of you means so much and we will see you again soon.